And uh, I'm not here to give you anything you don't already have as a born-again believer. Healing is your right. It's also your responsibility. But you have it. Like Christ already healed you. He healed you when he was getting his stripes before he went to the cross. By his stripes, you were healed. And if you were healed, then you are healed. And if you are healed, then you may say, why do I need healing school? I'm just here to take away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. Every sickness, every disease, every pain, every bit of doubt, every bit of poverty, whatever it is that's of the enemy, I want to take it off of you and get rid of it and destroy it. Amen. Because Jesus Christ and Christ in me and Christ in you has come to destroy the works of the enemy. And every sickness and every disease is the work of the enemy. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ has come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly, right? Like there's, there's a complete black and white line there. If it's bad, it is not from God. <laughs> if it brings death, sickness, disease, illness, um, you know, even aging in any form like that where your body is decaying, it's not from God. We know this because in heaven, the perfect will of God is going on. And uh, yeah, come on in. The perfect will of God is going on in heaven. And there's no, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's, there's no illness in heaven at all. And we know that if the perfect will of God was going on in our life, there also would be no sickness, no disease, or no, no death or no decay in our life. Amen. And we can have the perfect will of God in our life once we know the perfect will of God in our life. Amen. We know that God has, in the times past, he's spoken to us by the prophets, but in these times, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the Father. It says that in Hebrews. He is the express image of the Father God. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. So if we ever want a revelation of who the Father is, we need look no further than Jesus Christ. No further than Jesus Christ. So we've been looking at the life of Jesus and finding out what is the will of Jesus Christ? What is he doing? And the Father does likewise, right? So we're uncovering the mysteries of the Father by looking at what Jesus is doing. And what we've seen so far is that Jesus Christ heals all that come to him. We've seen that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We've seen that there's not one person that Jesus turned down and said, I'll heal you in six months. Just wait a minute. I'm trying to teach you a lesson. We've seen that there's not one person that came to Jesus for something good where Jesus would say, here's another illness because you just are too prideful. Jesus has never done that. It's not scriptural, and yet there are lots of people in the body of Christ today that believe that God is putting sickness on them to teach them a lesson, to humble them, to help them. You know, God does not have to partner with sickness, disease, death, devil, demons, anything in order to teach you a lesson. God doesn't have to do that. Amen. You just have to read your Bible. Amen. <laughs> There's a lot of lessons in here. We just have to actually read it. Amen. 
So we know that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that God comes to bring life and life more abundantly. John 10, 10. Amen. So um, there, you may have some questions about healing and about faith and about healing school, and I want to encourage you guys as we're as I'm teaching, as you're thinking about the lessons, as you take the CDs home and listen to them, if you have questions, I want you to write those questions down. Because if we can answer all of your questions, and I may not know all the answers, but I know the one who does. The Holy Ghost knows all the answers. And I believe all the answers to your questions are right here in this book, in this Bible. And we can study it out and we could find the answers. And uh, the Lord can cause me to preach something that I don't know in order to answer your question. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Amen. So write down your questions that you have. And then um, at the end, we, sometimes we have a question and answer session. Sometimes we have it at the beginning. If someone comes in with some questions on their heart. And uh, get, get your questions answered. Because when your questions are all answered, there's no room for doubt. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. And if we entertain these questions for too long and we never seek out the answer to them, then we're giving place to the enemy because we're giving place to doubt. It's okay to have questions. There's nothing wrong with having questions. But just don't keep your questions to yourself, right? Let's start writing them out. And then let's answer the questions that we can answer. And the questions we can't answer, we'll believe God for the answer that it'll come soon so you can get rid of all your questions and give no place to the devil and leave no room for doubt. Amen? Did you have a question? Amen. Okay. And it's too close to the brain. And my face is very hard here. The poison is very hard. And um, anyway, I've had to talk myself in and say, the, the good part of it is I made it to the doctor on time. Amen. Is that, I mean, did I do the right thing? I said, oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, God keeps you alive long enough to get you to the doctor. He'll keep you alive long enough yeah. to get you to God. Isn't that funny? <laughs> so I've been kind of doubting myself. I've been kind of doubting myself. Well, don't I have more faith than that, that I could fight that off? Well, the doctors can help you with symptoms, but the Lord is the one who cures, yes, yes. who heals. And, and you know that. Yes. And if the doctor gives you medicine, it's okay to take it. The doctors are dealing with natural wisdom. We live in a natural body, okay? It's 100% it's okay to go to the doctors. And you know, sometimes it takes more faith to go to the doctors than it does to stand there and act like you're believing God when you don't. You know, because you have to put your trust in God when you go to the doctors. And I believe that you did that. 
And I don't believe that, you know, you may feel all the faith get sucked out of you or you may start doubting, why am I not stronger than this? Why can't I believe God like other people can? Just get rid of that mentality. Just get rid of it. It's just wrong. It's just the enemy trying to trip you up and make you feel less than you are. You're in healing school. You're in the word of God. You're a child of God. God is giving you the faith that you need and he's protecting you along the way. Amen? Does that help? Amen. Any other questions before we get back to this? Okay, well, the answer to a thousand questions is be led by the Holy Spirit, right? And listen on the inside. There's a lot of natural remedies that I know also. I don't always give the natural remedy. A lot of times people don't want the natural remedy anyway, you know, because they want to go to the doctor. They believe that the antibiotic is going to fix it instead of the natural remedy is going to fix it. But who gave us the natural remedies? God gave us the natural remedies. God gave, gave us every herb-bearing plant, every tree, every, every kind of concoction you can make. And what are antibiotics and chemical medication? It's a, it's a manufactured substance that mimics what the natural does. That's all it is. It just mimics what the natural does, just so that they can make it and patent it and make money, right? But if you use the natural, you're getting, you're getting it from God anyway, right? It's okay. You know, God gave us these natural remedies so that we don't have to suffer these things. He, he knows we have natural bodies. How is God not working in a natural remedy? How is he not working in a natural remedy? He made it. For, like, for headaches, for example, if I get a headache, I can sit here and believe God, or I can go take a Motrin, or I can put peppermint on the back of my neck my headache's gone, right? Sometimes I just believe God. Sometimes I pick up the peppermint and put it on the back of my neck. I don't take much anymore. But you know what I mean? But I'm believing God and thanking God for that peppermint. Usually when I get a headache, it's my own fault, and I know what I did. So I understand lack of sleep, dehydration, you know, those things, and I need some relief. And uh, we can fix those with natural remedies. And that's okay, because God is glorified in those things, because God gave us those things. Does that help you? 
Okay, good. Don't, don't not use common sense. You know what I mean? Like God gave us common sense. He gave us natural wisdom. He expects us to use natural wisdom. He expects it. In fact, God loves the natural so much that Jesus Christ actually, literally came out of heaven and became flesh and lived a natural life. God loves the natural. In fact, the picture of Jesus Christ becoming flesh, and then when he rose again from the dead, he's still human at the right hand of God. Do you realize that? He is 100% God and 100% man. He is the marriage of the supernatural and the natural. God doesn't despise the natural like some people think he does. God loves the natural. He wants us to present our physical bodies as a living sacrifice to him. He loves the natural. In fact, our natural bodies are what give us authority on this earth. If somebody doesn't have a natural body, they have no authority on this earth. God gave authority to humankind, to mankind. God gave us authority. You know, demons and devils can't even do anything without the cooperation of a natural man. God loves the natural. God can't do anything without the cooperation of a natural man, right? And so God loves the natural. He enjoys us getting relief. Amen. He doesn't want us to suffer in any way, shape, or form. Now, God is full of miraculous healing power. We 100% believe in miracles. If you're a Christian, you 100% believe in miracles because Jesus Christ being born of a virgin is a miracle. <laughs> there is no way around that. Our whole faith is built on miracles, the fact that God exists, that he's supernatural, and that his super is over our natural. But we don't despise the natural just because we don't understand the supernatural. Amen? God wants them to work together for our good, for his glory. Amen? So that's exciting. So don't ever despise a natural remedy. Don't ever despise sharing that with people. If it's going to help someone, it's going to help someone. And just say, you know, God made this for you. God knew that you're going to need this. And when you really think about these natural remedies, like God knew you were going to need something. Let's say peppermint, for example, because it's a plant, right? And when God spoke in the beginning, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and he was speaking and calling forth all of these herbs and plants and stuff to come forth, he had to create them then. And then he had to keep them through all these generations and make sure they didn't die out. And if you've ever had a garden in Arizona, you know it's easy for plants to die out, right? So God had to keep this peppermint plant throughout all these generations so that today we can enjoy the healing remedies of peppermint, for example. Isn't that exciting? He had to keep it through the wars, through the floods, 
He had to keep it. He had to tend to it. He had to watch over it. He had to make sure it was producing. He had to send, do they pollinate? I don't know much about the peppermint plant, but he had to send bees probably over there to get pollen from one to another and and make it work and to keep it alive season after season through droughts, through floods, through tornadoes, through hurricanes. Imagine through animals eating it, through people using it. And he had to put enough on this earth to take care of the whole population. It's astounding what God does with, with these natural remedies for us. I mean, give him glory, right? I can hardly keep a plant alive for one season, but yet God did it for thousands of years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he knew. Before the fall even happened, he knew what we would need. Isn't that amazing? He knew every ailment we would ever suffer and every need we would ever have, and he made plants and and things to cover all of it. That's just astounding to me. Wow, God is so good. (laughs) So let's look at... um, Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at the anatomy of this miracle and just kind of get into this one. This is about the blind men. Last week, we learned about the blind man at Bethesda. And um, the week before that, we learned about the women, woman with the issue of blood. And before that, Jairus' daughter and, and on and on before that. But let's look at Matthew chapter 9. We're just looking at the life of Jesus now and seeing how these miracles happen and what are the components of a miracle. Because we know that if it worked for them there, it'll work for us now. Because Jesus is no respecter of persons, so if it worked for them, it'll work for us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so if it worked for them there, it'll work for us now. Amen. He doesn't change. So we're going to look at this miracle. And we have um, several more miracles that over the next few weeks we'll be going over. And then we're going to get into, let me look at this plan that the Lord gave me. Then we're going to um, get into knocking, or faith, obviously, authority. And then we're going to get into deliverance and knocking down traditions of man. And I'm not sure which order those are going in, but that's what we're going to do. A tradition of man, Jesus says in in, uh, Mark chapter 7, a tradition of man makes the power of God of no effect. And so we're going to find out, um, you know, if you want a good sermon that's really going to make you mad, you want to hear traditions of man. Because we all have these traditions that, you know, we've learned them from good people that we love, that we care about. But if they're unscriptural, they're unscriptural. And uh, I like to knock all those down. I try to do it as gently as possible. But there are some that just don't die quietly. (laughs) But we got to get rid of those traditions of man because it's the traditions of man that make the power of God of none effect. And we want the power of God to be fully effective in our lives and in everyone here. Amen? Amen. So Matthew chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 27. 
And it says, and when Jesus departed thence, and he's just departing from uh, raising Jairus' daughter here. Um, and when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said to him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But when they were departed, <laughs> spread abroad his fame in all that country. So let's start off with verse 27. The two blind men followed after Jesus. The first thing that we see is somebody following after Jesus. If we want to receive our miracle, we've got to follow after Jesus. I know that kind of goes without saying, but it's important to differentiate following after Jesus and following after a man. We praise God for the people that work miracles every day. That's what they do. That's their, the big ministries. We praise God for them. We've received from them. We're here because of big ministries. You know, at least I am. I don't know about you, but I receive so much. I've been healed through big ministries before and praise God for them, right? But we need to make sure even if it's a big ministry and man is propping them up, that when we're looking at them and receiving from them, we're looking at Christ in them. We're looking at the word of God in them, and we're receiving from the Lord, not from the man. And I'm going to say the same thing about me. You, I may be teaching you the word of God. I may be praying for you. I may be standing and believing God with you, or our prayer ministers might be. But your eyes have got to be on Jesus. If your eyes are on me, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. If your eyes are on our prayer ministers, it's not going to work. But if your eyes are on the word of God and on Christ Jesus, it will work every time because I'm just a person like you. I have to believe God like everyone else. I just believe that God is well able to work through me no matter who I am no matter what I've done the blood of Jesus has made me righteous and because of that the power of God can flow that's what I believe I believe it with all my heart whenever doubt starts to creep in and try to tell me that I'm not enough I just look at the blood of Jesus and listen to the blood of Jesus because it speaks a better word than the blood of Abel amen and when the blood of Jesus starts speaking on my behalf I'd be a fool not to believe it you know what I'm saying if the blood of God was shed for me in my estimation, I understand, the way I understand the scriptures is that a fraction of a drop of the blood of God is enough to completely obliterate any sin that I could ever commit. Because God's blood is so valuable, so pure, so precious. The gift that God gave us, amen? 
And because Jesus, because his blood, I'm made righteous and so are you. And therefore, the power of God can work through me and it can work through you. Therefore, I can receive healing and you can receive healing because the blood of Jesus is so valuable. Amen. We don't need a whole cup of the blood. Honestly, we just need a fraction of a drop. And we're cleansed. I mean, it's just that powerful. I believe that. With, with all my heart, I believe that. So these men, they followed after Jesus. So we have to make sure that when we're trying to receive healing, that we're following after Jesus. Amen. That we're looking to Jesus. That we're following Jesus. Not some person. Amen. <laughs> Um, a person will get it wrong at any given time. There's, I'm going to tell you as much as I know the scriptures and honor the scriptures and love the Lord, I would never want to speak anything wrong ever. But I have to tell you, the more I learn about the scriptures, the more I know I don't know anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, I've been studying the word for probably 15 years, like every day and in depth, right? But the more I learn about the word of God, the more I realize I have no clue how good God is, no clue how big God is, no clue how able God is, right? Like every time I'm just floored with how much he's so much better, so much higher than our thoughts, so much more willing to heal. Amen. That's sometimes in this morning, sometimes I just pray, God, heal in spite of us. <laughs> just work in spite of us. Just whatever you need to do, God, do it and, and let it be done. Have your way, Lord. So these men followed after Jesus. They were crying and saying, they were asking. Sometimes you have to cry out to God. And I don't mean you have to have tears. Just call out to God because everyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. These men were following after Jesus. They were asking for the healing. They wanted the healing. You've got to ask God for the healing. You know, sometimes people are sitting there just believe. They say, I've seen this before. Oh, I'm just believing God. I'm believing God. Okay. Well, did you ask, right? There's a scripture in here that says, you have not because you ask not. And then it says, you ask and don't receive because you ask amiss. But we know that healing is never not God's will. It's always God's will to heal. So if you're asking God for healing, you're never asking amiss. Any, anywhere healing is concerned, any type of healing at all, whether it's a big healing, a life, life and death situation, or whether it's a tiny little insignificant healing, which is still a healing, you know what I mean? All of them are God's will to heal. It's never, it's never not God's will to heal you. So when you ask, you're never asking amiss when you ask for healing. When you say, Lord Jesus, I need healing and I need it today, and I'm asking you to heal me, and I thank you, I'm thanking you for it, that's never asking amiss. Isn't that good news? Because sometimes those scriptures can mess you up. If, if you've ever heard somebody say, well, if it be God's will, Lord, can you heal me if it be your will? 
We have, in the first session, we have settled it. It is 100% God's will to heal, 100% of the people, 100% of the time. And if that's true, then when you ask, you are never asking amiss. That means you have not because you ask not, but if you would ask for healing, you'll have it because you're asking properly. Amen. Sometimes we have to undo those little thinkings that we have in the back of our head. And, and I don't know what they are, but the Holy Spirit always knows. Amen? And then they were, they were recognizing Jesus. They said, thou son of David, have mercy on us. They were recognizing Jesus as the Savior. Because they knew that the Savior, the Messiah, was coming through David's line. They knew who Jesus was descendant of. They knew he was descendant from David. So they were saying, thou son of David. They're basically saying, you are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the chosen one. And if you look back in um, Isaiah, it prophesies about Jesus coming and healing. The blind eyes are going to open. The lame are going to walk. The deaf are going to hear. And this, these are the things that are going to happen when the son of David Son of man, son of God, is coming on the earth. And so these blind men knew that, and so they cried out to Jesus saying, You, son of David, we know who you are. You're the healer. They recognized him as Lord. So sometimes we have to make sure that we take the time to recognize who Jesus is. When we're coming to Jesus, instead of, I mean, like, we have... We have such a casual, open relationship with the Father and with the Christ because we're in the family. That's true. God loves us. He's our daddy. When you get that revelation that you can come to him with anything, that's powerful. But we have to be very careful not to treat it as a common thing. Sometimes when you know somebody and you get really familiar with them, familiarity breeds contempt, and you start devaluing who they are. We have to remember the office of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the healer. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is. And so when we come to Jesus and we ask for healing, we need to remember his authority. Remember who he is. Remember his place seated at the right hand of God. Sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes you've asked and you've asked and you've asked and you're not asking amiss because you're asking for healing and you're crying out, but you forgot to recognize Jesus' place, his office, and his authority. When we recognize his authority, we're basically saying all sickness and all disease is subject to Jesus. When we ask Jesus to cast out sickness, he does. He has the authority to do it. If I asked Denise, for example, if I asked you to go and be a traffic guard outside, even if you did it, you'd have no authority to do it. If you got hit by a car, the, it wouldn't be their fault. It'd be yours for being in the middle of traffic because you don't have authority to do that, nor do I have authority to ask you to do that. Right? 
But if we had a police officer in here and I asked the police officer to go stop traffic and I recognized his authority and he had his uniform on and everything, he could go stand in the middle of traffic and he could stop it and he could redirect it and he can do whatever he wants with it because he has the authority to do it. And if a car hit him, which they wouldn't because he has authority and they're not going to hit it, right? They, they know better than to hit a police officer. But if it did happen, it wouldn't be his fault. It'd be the driver's fault because he has the authority to be there. And so when we're asking Jesus, it's like asking the police officer. We're asking Jesus to do something he has the authority to do. And he's willing to do it. And he wants to do it. And that's why we have to ask because God can't do anything without a natural authority on this earth. We have to ask. Amen. Isn't that exciting? We have to recognize his authority that he can do it. That if we ask Jesus to do it, he will do it because he says, ask at once anything that you want. Ask in my name. In John, I think it's chapter 14. Ask anything at all in my name. Ask at once and it'll be done for you that the Father can be glorified in the Son. So when we start thinking about the authority of Christ, who he is, seated at the right hand of God, we're asking for something that is his will, that is in his ability, that he has authority to do, the answer is always yes. And if the answer is always yes, then we can receive. The answer is always yes. Isn't that beautiful? I love, I love the word. It's always yes. So here... These guys are crying out, thou son of David. They're recognizing his authority. Have mercy on us. They're saying, they're drawing on the mercy of God. What do we know about the mercy of God? We know that his mercies are new every morning. We know that his mercy endures forever. That means Every single morning, there's new mercies that are also enduring forever. By the time we were born, there were so many mercies. We don't even understand how many mercies there are. Let's say if there's one mercy a day. It says mercy, so we know there's more than one. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning, there's new mercies that God is pouring out on humankind, right? And they endure forever. By the time we got on the scene, there's 365 mercies per year. How many years? Thousands and thousands of years. All that mercy is already here for us. And besides that, there's new mercies tomorrow morning. Every morning there's new mercies. And they never pass away. They never go away. His mercy is giving us something that we don't like not giving us what we do deserve. These, we don't know how these blind men are blind. We don't know how they got blind. We don't know that. But if they're asking for mercy, they're asking for something that they, they're asking to be relieved from something that they deserved. Does that make sense? 
they believe in their heart that they deserve to be blind. They're asking for mercy. They're saying, release us from that which we deserve. That means if you got yourself sick through not eating right, through not taking care of your body, through, through just generally like not exercising or whatever it is or doing, having sin in your life, if you got yourself sick, ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. And Jesus gave these blind men mercy. He healed them. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for you and I because he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all. Or else the Bible's not true. If every part of the Bible isn't true, then the Bible's not true. If Jesus did it for one and he's no respecter of persons, he'll do it for any, he'll do it for all. All we have to do is ask and recognize him as Lord. Recognize his authority, amen? Know that he's willing. Know that the answer is yes and that he'll do it and he will have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy on us. I have a testimony. Remember I told you guys I was going to the dentist? Praise God. It worked out so well. I had um, tartar and stuff built up on my teeth down here. Well, uppers and lowers. And the tar in the tartar, there was a black line right here on my tooth. And I thought, because it's so hard, I thought it was a cavity in my tooth, and I thought I was losing my front teeth. And I had a gum infection. And, I, and it was my own fault because I didn't brush and floss my teeth like I should have been all these years. I hadn't been to the dentist in a long, long, long time, right? Like a so it's my own fault. But the Lord had mercy on me. I asked for mercy. And he poured out his mercy, and, and they, the dentist cleaned my bottom teeth for the first week, and it wasn't painful. And he took all of that stuff off. And I do have some cavities that I'm going to have filled or healed, whichever one. You know, they're going to get taken care of really soon here. But all these teeth are good. I don't know if you can see them good, but see, they're, they're just so cute, huh? <laughs> I just love the Lord. He preserved my teeth. He had mercy on me. Not because I'm somebody like a pastor, but he had mercy on me because I asked. Just because I asked. I said, Lord, I did this to my own teeth. I'm clear. Like there's, I can't blame not brushing my teeth regularly on anybody but me. Is there anybody else responsible for my teeth but me? I mean, honestly, if there was, I'd have blamed it on them, guaranteed. But I couldn't. It was my fault. So in order to ask for healing, I said, have mercy on me. And you know, it's his good pleasure to have mercy on us. Isn't that good news? He poured out his mercy in my mouth. I didn't feel anything. I didn't experience hot or cold or breeze blowing through my mouth or anything weird like that. But the Lord had mercy on me and preserved my teeth. And, and he didn't, my uppers never even got infected. 
even though they still had, you know, they still had some cleaning to do up there. It's all clean now, praise God. But God had mercy on me. Isn't that exciting? And all we have to do is ask. It's really that simple. Verse 28, And when Jesus was come into the house, the blind man came to him, blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? Here's a good question. Do you believe that God is able to heal you? Do you believe that he's able to preserve your life? Do you believe that he's willing to do it? Well, praise God. Psalm uh, 119 verse 89 says that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So if the word of God concerning healing is forever settled in heaven, the only place it needs to be settled is in our heart, right here on earth, in our life. And that's what Jesus was doing with these blind men, is he was settling the word, establishing the word in them. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to cause your eyes to see? Do you believe that I'm able? He's asking you, do you believe that he's able to heal your ears? Do you believe that he's able? And when you agree and when you tell the Lord, yes, Lord, you are saying, yes, I believe that you're able, you're settling the word, and you're recognizing him as Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Everyone practice. Yes, Lord. Isn't that easy? Let's do it again. Yes, Lord. Amen. That's all you have to say. Yes, Lord. I believe, God, that you are able. We'll go a step further. I believe, God, that you are willing and you are my Lord and Savior. Of course I believe you can open my eyes. Of course I believe you can open my ears. Of course I believe that you can preserve my teeth. Of course I can believe that you can heal my shoulder. Yes, I believe that you're able. Yes, I believe. Yes, I believe that you're able, God. Yes, Lord, you are able. You are so able. Sometimes we just have to camp on that. God is able. God is able. What is it that needs to be fixed in your physical body this morning? God is able. What is it that you're believing God for this morning? God is able. Think about that thing and think about God able to do it. God is able. He is able to restore. He's able to repair. He's able to heal. He's able to set right. He's able to create something new if something new needs to be created. He's able. He's well able. God is able. Jesus, we believe that you're able to heal. We believe that you're able to heal, Jesus. We know that you're able to heal. We see it in the scriptures. We've seen miracles. We know. We've heard your, we've heard your word. We know you're able, God. We believe that you're able. Yes, Lord, we say. When you ask us, Lord, if we're able to believe that you can do this, do we believe that you're able to do this? We answer you and we say, 
Yes, Lord, you are able. You are able. Whether it's a cell in your body, whether it's your DNA, whether it's a tumor that needs to be dissolved, whether it's a bone that needs to be fixed, whether God has to fix arteries or grow something back for you or switch something around for you, you've got to believe that he's able. Like, let's just reason together for just a minute. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, on the sixth day, God created man. He formed him out of the dust. And then, uh, just imagine a big lump of dust and clay, I guess he formed us out of clay, sitting there, laying there, just laying on the ground, doing nothing. It's just clay. It's just clay. Clay does nothing. Clay doesn't have a heartbeat. Clay doesn't have cells moving all over the place. Clay doesn't have a digestive system. Clay doesn't have bones. Clay doesn't have blood flowing through it. It's just clay. Clay doesn't have hair. I mean, really, it doesn't. I've never seen clay grow hair. Maybe if I roll it around on the dog's back and then put, maybe. But clay doesn't have hair of its own if you believe in God for hair. Think about it. And then God breathed into man's nostrils. In, God breathed into the nostrils of that clay. And in an instant, man became a living soul. In an instant, we had blood, we had cells, we had bones, we had tissues, we had tendons, we had ligaments, we had muscles, we had marrow, we had eyes that see, we could blink, we had eyelashes, we had eyebrows, we had flowing hair. Some of us had hair in our ears. I mean, think about it. We had, we had arteries, we had veins, we had organs, we had kidneys and livers and, you know, appendixes and hearts and, and lungs that could breathe in and out in an instant by the breath of the Almighty God. Dumb clay. We had a functioning brain by the breath of God in an instant. Do you believe that in your state that you are now, that God can set something right now that you already have a heart and a circulatory system and a digestive system and muscles and tendons and ligaments and eyes and ears and a nose and a mouth and teeth and hair and, and eyebrows and eyelashes and toenails and fingernails and wrists and ankles and knees and joints and marrow and... How much easier is it? Let's just reason together. How much easier it, is it for God to just touch one part of your body and heal it than for him to breathe into a lump of clay and cause that clay to be a living soul? If he did it then, he definitely can do it now. Breathe on us, God. Just breathe on us, God. Just let your breath come on us. Whoo! Just breathe on us. 
Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit quickens to life our mortal bodies. He's inside of us, sparking us to life every second of every day. Every second of every day. I'm going to tell you a little secret that I learned in the Bible. It is impossible for sickness to stay on you. As a born-again believer, sickness has no place to attach on you legally. It is impossible for it to stay. In fact, many sicknesses and many diseases are healed a thousand times a day. And you just keep believing for it to come back. You just believe you're sick. And you have faith for your sickness, faith for your disease, and it, the Holy Spirit is healing you over and over and over and over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit just keeps healing you. Doesn't the Bible say in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit quickens to life your mortal body? And you just are so steeped in the natural pathology of a disease that, and the prognosis that they've given you, you just believe that more than you believe healing. That's what it is. And God heals and you believe for that again. And God heals and you believe for that again. And God heals and you believe for that again and again and again and again and again. But if you could take five minutes and just say, I'm just going to believe God for the next five minutes that the Holy Spirit in me is quickening to life my mortal body and he's doing a good job. He's healing me and I just don't believe that sickness has any part of me. It cannot attach itself to me. It can't, it just today is the day it stops. It cannot come back. The Lord has authority. Sickness has no authority. It can't stay. It has to pack up and go in Jesus' name. You know, God can do more for you in five minutes of sitting there and believing him than you can do to destroy your body. Because he's able. I have never tried this, but I bet you if I breathe into a lump of clay, it's not going to do anything. I don't think it's going to do anything. Maybe if I breathe hard enough, it might roll a little. If it's a ball and I blow on it, it might roll a little bit. But it will never become a living soul. But there's one inside of me that if he breathes on that clay, he'd make a living soul out of it by his breath. And he's in us, quickening to life our mortal body, speaking to every cell of our body every second of the day, healing, 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 life, 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 healing, healing, life, life. Every cell, every brain cell, every eye cell, every ear cell, every muscle, every bone, every tendon, every ligament, setting it all right, putting every bit of cartilage, Setting it all right. Making it grow where it needs to grow. Shrinking every tumor, dissolving it, making it nothing. Every second of every day, Holy Spirit's in there doing that. 
And I don't know about you, but I believe that the Holy Spirit does a good job. I believe the Holy Spirit doesn't miss a thing. I believe the Holy Spirit's more powerful than any doctor out there, more powerful than any medicine, more powerful than natural remedies, and he's always in there. He's always speaking to every cell. He's always quickening to life my mortal body. Well, in fact, the body without the spirit is dead. So as long as I'm alive, that spirit's in me, and it's making me more alive. Day by day, I'm being renewed. Every day, I'm healthier. I'm not aging like the world ages. I'm aging like the Christians age. I'm aging like the Holy Spirit ages. Amen? 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 You're aging like the Holy Spirit ages. And if anyone's old, it's God. He's the ancient of days. In verse 29, And then Jesus, then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and he touched their eyes, and he didn't say be healed, he didn't say blindness go, he didn't say healing come, which, I mean, we do sometimes as we're led by the Spirit. But in this instance, he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. But before he said that, he asked him a question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Because God's word is forever settled in heaven, we just had to, he had to settle it in their hearts. He had to establish the word on the earth. Because once the word is established on the earth, then God has full authority to heal. Amen. And if you say, yes, Lord, his word is established on the earth, and then he has full authority to heal. Amen. God, we give you authority to heal, full authority to heal every person in this place, every physical body completely healed. We believe you're able, we believe you're willing, and we thank you for it. Hallelujah. He's well able. So according to your faith, be it unto you. We've heard that in the woman that had the issue of blood, when Jesus turned and looked at her and he said, your faith has made you whole. So now here comes the question, what is faith? Where does it come from? How do I get it? <laughs> Amen. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Also want to look over at Hebrews and I think we should start here. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just going to put my eyes on it and make sure I read it right. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of 
our faith. Let's just receive Jesus as the author of our faith. He's the author. What is an author? A person that writes a book. He has written a book about our faith. Now, what I know about Jesus, and like I said, I don't know everything, but what I know about Jesus is that he is good. And if he's going to write a book about my faith, he's going to write that I have faith. If he's going to, not if I'm going to write the book, if he's going to write the book, he's going to write that I have faith because he loves me, because he gave himself for me, because he planned and purposed something for me, and it has to do with healing and health and life. And all the promises are yes and amen. So if Jesus is going to write the book, he's going to write, Cindy has great faith. That's in the book. He's the author. I didn't write it. If I wrote it, I might write something like, Cindy's really trying hard to believe God, but there's a lot of things that seem to get in the way. But I didn't write the book. I received Jesus as the author and finisher of my faith. And if he's the author, he wrote, Cindy has great faith. And he's the finisher of my faith, which means he'll take that book and he'll establish it inside of me and cause me to have great faith. He finished it. He wrote about it and he finished it inside of me. And if Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith, I may be somewhere in the middle, but I know by the end it has been established in me and I have great faith. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I love that God wrote it like this because if God didn't put that he was the finisher of my faith, I might think, well, Jesus wrote, Cindy has great faith, but Cindy's the finisher of her faith, so maybe she waxed or waned or got lazy or didn't read or didn't do or didn't something. Maybe I messed it up. But that's not what the word of God says. It says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. And if Jesus is the finisher of my faith, that means in every situation where faith is required, he has the last word. He has the first word. He has the last word. There may be all kinds of stuff in the middle. Sometimes you can receive better if you just keep your mouth shut. Amen? But he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you receive that this morning? Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of my faith. And Jesus, you don't make a mistake. And Jesus, you're a good author. And you know how to write everything in there that needs to be written to make sure that that faith is established in me. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. And then we know Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. 
The more we get in the word, the more we are reading the scriptures, hearing the word, hearing about Jesus, hearing it's God's will to heal every person, every single time, the more faith is going to come because we're going to start answering those objections that we sometimes have that say, it's God's will to heal everybody except for you. It's God's will to heal you later. You'll have healing in the sweet by and by. Those things are unscriptural. Another thing we can do to have great faith is to make God's word our final authority. We have opinions. We have experiences. We have, we have things that we think and go through and all that. But if God's word is our final authority, final authority, then all discussion is over. We are the healed of the Lord. All discussion is over. You know how you have a group, like if a group comes together, like a board, for example, and everybody has their opinions, and everybody puts in their opinions, and everybody has their research, and everybody puts in their research, and you talk amongst yourselves, and you debate, and you think, and you reason, and you plan, and all this stuff, but one person has the final authority. And one person says, okay, I've seen everything, I know everything you're bringing to me, but here's, the, here's what we're actually going to do. And if you have a good board, which we do actually, if you have a good board, in the end, when you make that decision, all your board members, whether they were for or against it, are on board and say, that's the final authority and I'm for it. Even if they were against it. They're for it now because that decision was made, right? It was settled. If God's word is your final authority, then in your prayer time or in your thoughts, you can debate and you can think and you can wonder and you can learn and you can express and all this stuff. But when the final authority gets said that you are healed, you just have to line up with that. If God's word is your final authority, you can say, well, I was thinking, yeah, but. I was thinking, well, maybe not. But God's word said that I'm healed. And because his word said I'm healed, I am healed. I am healed. Because his word said it, and it's my final authority, I am healed. It's, it's not, not working for me. It is working for me. It's never going to be not working. God's word says I'm healed. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. Therefore, I'm healed. His word is forever settled in heaven. According to his word, be it unto me. Just like Mary said, when the angel came and visited Mary and said, you're going to have a child by the Holy Ghost. And she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Sometimes we just need to get before God and say, God, be it unto me according to thy word. Not according to my word that says I don't feel good or I'm sore or I'm sick or I have this or I have that. Not according to my word. And God, don't let it be unto me according to my understanding of your word, but let it be unto me according to your actual word, which says by his stripes I am healed. God, take me above my understanding. I'm just going to believe your word whether I understand it or not. Amen.
Amen. It takes trust to do that. It takes trust to do that. But you know it takes trust for you to get in your vehicle and drive 65 miles an hour, not understanding the mechanics of a car? I have no idea what the spark plugs are doing except that they're creating sparks of fire under a gas engine hood. So I've got fire and I've got gas all happening underneath the hood at 65 miles an hour, but I trust that that car is not going to explode and blow up. I trust. I have faith. I trust. Based on what I know or what I don't know, maybe, maybe it's easier because I don't know everything, but based on what I know and what I see about all these cars out there, these cars are running and most of them are not blowing up. Based on that, I can get in my vehicle and I can drive from point A to point B without being afraid that my car is going to magically blow up on me, even though there are sparks and there is gas. And in my estimation, when you put sparks and gas together, it doesn't ever end well. But because I know that cars work, even though I don't understand how they work, I know I can get in my car and drive 65 miles an hour and be safe. Amen. I don't have to understand everything to believe it. I don't know how God heals us. I don't know how bones get mended. I don't know how eyes get from blind to seeing. But you know what? I don't know how eyes see in the first place. I don't know how the lungs take in oxygen and that air becomes now a molecule in my body that goes around to different organs and, and feeds them oxygen. I do not understand that, and nor do I want to, honestly. I'm really not good with physical things, but I don't understand how it happens. I don't know how the liver processes things it processes. I don't know how the heart does what it does. I don't know those things. I don't know how it keeps beating steadily. And then when it has to go faster, it does. And then when it has to slow down, it does. Like when I work out this arm, if I work it out too much, you know what? It needs to rest or it hurts. But I don't go around with heart pain. And yet my heart has been working since before I was born. It's never stopped, praise God, and it never will, amen. It just keeps on beating and doing its thing. I don't understand that. But I do understand by his stripes I'm healed. I don't understand how, but I believe it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't have to know how it works. I don't know what's the difference between spitting on someone's eyes or spitting in the clay and putting it on someone's eyes, or just laying my hands on someone's eyes, or speaking the word only. Like, when do you use which one in which situation? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to just believe that God's will is to heal, because it says it in here. And that he's able, because it says it in here. And that he's able to use me, because he says it in here. And if he says he's able, then he's able, and I'm not going to argue with God, right? Like, I'm not going to argue with God. Are you going to argue with God? 
I mean, when you think about it like that, when you really boil it down to this, I'm not going to argue with God. If God says I'm healed, I'm healed whether I feel it or not. I'm not going to argue with him. He's smarter than me. I know that by revelation. Like we say, God's smarter than you. Of course God is smarter than you. But I know it by revelation. Because every time I think I know something, God shows me what I don't know. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) you're smarter than me. I don't know how to make clay into a living soul. I don't know how to make a star shine for however many thousands of years it's been shining. I don't know how to flood the whole earth. I probably could flood the bathroom if I tried hard enough, but I don't know how to flood the whole earth, do you? And then to make it all dry up? God is so much more intelligent than we are. And if he says that by his stripes we're healed, then by his stripes we're healed. I'm not going to argue with him. If he says in Mark chapter 16 that believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, then what am I going to say? Well, God's smarter than me. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I have no idea how it happens. It doesn't even matter to me. All that matters is that I'm a believer. I lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. God settled it in heaven. I've settled it on earth. I said, God, you settled your word. I believe it. This is my final authority. I'm not going to go against it. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I experience. I don't care. What if somebody says, well, what if you're believing God and then you die? Well, I'd rather be believing God when I die than not believing him when I die. How about you? (laughs) How about you? (laughs) I'd rather die in faith than out of faith any day. I'd rather die holding on to the word of God and believe in him with all my might. Because you know that's not the end of it. Because Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. If I die sick, it's not God's fault. But if I die believing God, who knows, I might be back the next day. (laughs) I'm going to believe God. The scriptures say, where can I go outside of your presence? If I go, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I descend all the way down to the depths of hell, God, you are there. Wherever I am, God is going to be there. So he's going to be there, and he's going to hear my cry. Isn't there a scripture in 1 John that says, If we pray and we know he hears us, we shall have whatsoever we ask of him. God's not deaf. He's not deaf. He hears us. Besides that, he's not far. He lives inside of me. I don't even have to yell for him to hear me. I just have to whisper. He knows my thoughts. I think and God hears me. He's not deaf. If I have whatsoever I ask, if I know he hears me, and I know he's not deaf, and I know he's listening, he's everywhere, all at once, all knowing, all present, right? Never leaves us, never forsakes us. 
always willing to heal, always able to heal, will give me anything I ask for it, whenever I ask for it, if I know he hears me, hello? (laughs) He's made it so easy for us. So simple. We need religion to help us misunderstand God. We don't need religion. We just need God. We need his word. We need the Christ. We need to believe. God, your word is my final authority. I don't care what I'm feeling. I don't care what hasn't worked in the past. I don't care how long it's been taken. Your word is still my final authority. It always has been. It always will be. And more and more, more and more, God, if you're not there yet, just say, God, cause me to believe your word like you believe your word. Cause me to believe your word like you believe your word. If he's going to give me anything I ask for, I'm going to ask for that. God, the author and finisher of my faith, right in there, Cindy believes God's word like God believes God's word, period. Bam, it's done. Amen. Hallelujah. The world calls it radical faith to take God at his word. I just call it faith. I also call it spiritual intelligence. (laughs) There's natural intelligence and there's spiritual intelligence. And I may not know everything. Well, let me use the natural for example. I don't know everything in the natural, but I know that a mechanic is intelligent enough and an expert enough to fix my vehicle so that it won't blow up when I drive it. I don't know the mechanics. I don't need to know the mechanics. I know the mechanic knows the mechanics. So I can use and operate my vehicle. Spiritual intelligence, I don't know everything in the spirit. I don't understand it all. But I know God does. And if God understands everything and sees everything and never sleeps and never slumbers and he's the same past, present, and future and he's always true and he cannot lie, then whatever he says is true whether I get it or not. Right? So if he says, by his stripes you are healed, then what am I? I'm healed. What are you? What are you? Healed. Amen. We just have to believe it. God, you're our final authority. We believe it. We're not taking no for an answer. I don't care if I have to go to the doctor. I don't care if I have to go to the dentist. I don't even know if I could sit here and believe God for the tartar to fall off my teeth. I have no idea if that's even possible for me. But what I know is that by his stripes I was healed. And you know what? I was healed. Hallelujah. I didn't have to take any antibiotics to get rid of that infection. I did use coconut oil. I'll tell you that. I used coconut oil. And I swished it with oil pulling is what it's called. But that didn't take all the tartar off my teeth. It did take bacteria out. But after after the dentist cleaned my teeth and I took vitamin C that night, woke up the next morning, I had so much energy 
because I wasn't swallowing bacteria. It was ridiculous how good, I, it's ridiculous how good I feel now. I feel so much healthier now. Had I known if I went to the dentist 10 years ago and had that done, I'm telling you, it was a long time. I probably would have done it. I didn't know I was going to feel this good after that. I mean, how's that related? I don't understand these natural things. I don't understand the spiritual things, but I believe them. I'm not going to sit there and say, now, God, before I believe your word on healing, I have to understand how you are going to do this and why you haven't done it. Why have I not seen the manifestation? I need to understand that before I receive the manifestation. No, I don't have to understand how an antibiotic works before I take it. I don't have to understand how it works before it works. Why do we do that to God? Why do we get all weird when it comes to spiritual things? If in the natural we blindly believe things like a bridge over water is actually going to stay when we're on it and go all the way across it, or that an airplane is actually going to work and not just fall out of the sky when we're on it, if we don't, if we don't need to understand all of those things before we use those natural things, why do we need to understand spiritual things fully before we use them? We don't. We just have to believe them. God, I believe your word. I believe that you said I'm healed, so I'm healed. You're the son of God, so you are. You said it. You are. Jesus, you said you're the Messiah. You said you're my savior. You said you're my Lord. You said you're my master. You said you're my healer. You said you're my provider. You said you're my shepherd. You said you're my caretaker. So you are. So now, here's my list of providing. Here's my list of healing. Here's my list of caretaking. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm just going to lay it all at your feet, Jesus. I'm going to know you're going to do it, and I'm just going to rejoice in it. I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to rest. Amen? Amen? I'm not going to try to figure it all out. I'm just going to know that you've got it covered. I know I'm healed. I know I'm healed. If you, if you want me to go to the doctor, lead me to the doctor. Make it, make it plain to me, God, and I'll do it. Whatever it is, make it plain and I'll do it. If you need me to stop eating Twinkies, make it plain. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> amen, amen. Whatever it is, whatever God is telling you to do, and you'll know, you'll know on the inside of you because you'll get a conviction. If you're doing something that's causing sickness or causing harm, you'll get a check. You'll, you'll have that, oh, don't. And you have the ability to override that. And if you keep overriding that and keep overriding that and keep overriding that, well, just stop doing that but you'll stop hearing the check. And it'll get worse and worse until you start listening to God. If you've heard God tell you not to do something and you did it anyway, and you believe that's what's stopping you from getting healed, I have good news for you today. His mercies are new every morning. 
These two blind men cried out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Just ask God to have mercy on you. God, have mercy on me. Lord, I knew I should exercise, but I didn't. Have mercy on me and give me the grace to do it from here on out. Give me the grace to do what I need to do. And I'll do it by your grace. Amen? Let's stand and we'll close in prayer.